Our scripture reading today is found in Psalm 19. Uh, Please turn there and follow along as I read Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set the tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by him, by them, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you, Tony. Well, we all listen. All of us, we we listen. Every one of us listens to someone. God spoke clearly to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, but we also know that the serpent spoke. And when the serpent spoke, he questioned what God said. In fact, he lied and he spoke words that contradicted what God said. And tragically, the world is a very different place today because Adam and Eve listened to the wrong person. But praise God, the damage done by listening to the wrong voice is in fact being reversed because of the sound words of Jesus. Today I want to convince you to listen to God's word, to the sound words of Jesus. Do do you want to be where God is revealing himself? Do, Do you want to be where God is in fact working? I would encourage you then to listen to the word and to the teaching of Jesus. You you need the sound words 
of Jesus, and for good reason. God's word brought the universe into existence from absolutely nothing. Um, as an example, in Genesis 1-1, we're told God said, let there be light, and there was light. <laughs> I mean, only God in his word has that power. Also, we know that God's word always accomplishes his intended purpose. Always. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11 says this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the very thing for which I sent it. Now, that also includes our salvation. Our salvation would be impossible apart from the power of God's word. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4 and 5 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. God's word is so powerful that it can skillfully expose what is hidden in the depths of your heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's powerful word is also life-changing for the believer. When God speaks into your life through the Bible, he in fact equips you with everything that you need to live for his glory. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, For all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God speaks through the Bible, but we also know that God has spoken and speaks through Jesus, his son. We're told in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3, and I quote, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When Jesus spoke, as we walk through the Gospels, uh, 
he taught a lot, but when he spoke, there, there were, in fact, some people who listened. But there were also, in fact, some who walked away. And when that happened on one particular occasion, Jesus asked the twelve, do you want to go away as well? But in John chapter 6, verse 68 through 69, Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of God. So rather than walking away from Jesus, we are exhorted to remain with him and abide in his word. In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, we learn this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you, you can depend upon God's word, the sound words of Jesus. Isaiah 48, 40 verse 8 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Now, with all of that as a backdrop for our sermon text today, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, the last part of verse two, 2 through verse 5 is our sermon text for today. And so I invite you to open up your Bibles and follow along with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses the second half of verse 2 through verse 5. Paul said to Timothy in this letter, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So I, I want to draw your attention to three primary points from this text here this morning. And the first is this, you need to hear and obey the sound words of Jesus. Now, in our Bibles, the end of verse 2 again states, teach and urge these things. The, the question is, what things? And when we answer that question, it seems best to look back to the previous section, which would be all of chapter 5 and the first part of chapter 2, or chapter 6, excuse me. Now, it could include more than that, but at least that. And here Paul gives Timothy clear instruction. He gives clear instruction about how to live with older men and, and younger men, about how to live with older women and younger women, and a great deal about how to honor widows who are truly, truly widows. Paul also gives instruction about how to honor elders in the church and how to deal with elders who sin. 
And as we talked last week, instruction is even given for how slaves should honor their masters or by application, how employees should honor their employers. So all of these relationships provide opportunities to manifest good fruit that the gospel produces in the lives of individuals. Relationships should, in fact, be marked by the power of the gospel. But, but most likely, Paul is not just looking back at what he has already written. He's most likely also drawing attention to what he is about to write. And what he is about to write addresses, again, the subject of false teachers. Um, the very beginning of this letter, in chapter 1, verse 3 and, and following, Paul tells Timothy to command certain men to no longer teach a different doctrine. And now, in chapter 6, verse 3, Paul points out that anyone who teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ will be characterized by a seriously dysfunctional life. Now, I, I remember to this day what Tim Pasma said at his father's funeral many years ago. Uh, Tim's father, uh, Gerald, was a pastor of this church back in the 60s and the 70s, and Tim preached at his father's funeral, and his sermon text was Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, which says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. So the, the sound words of Jesus will produce a life filled with good fruit. Um, it, if what dominates a teacher's life is rotten fruit, um, be warned that something he is believing and teaching is terribly wrong. And so if you have a leader that teaches you the word of Christ, Consider their way of life, but don't, don't imitate them. The text says imitate their faith. So believe the gospel of Jesus that they in fact preach and believe. And, and so in that context, context, Paul says to Timothy, teach and urge these things, namely the, the sound and healthy words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't just say Jesus. Instead, he says, our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul is emphasizing that Jesus is God's anointed Messiah. That's the meaning of the word Christ. So Jesus is God's anointed Messiah who has been given all authority to be our Lord and Master. He, he has the right to rule our lives. It's not enough to simply teach these things or to impart knowledge. Paul's not interested in merely gaining head knowledge. Instead, he expects Timothy to teach these truths with a strong appeal or exhortation to obey. So you, you can't hear the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and do nothing. You hear the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, you listen to it, you receive it, you believe it, and 
You obey it. You're changed by it. That was Jesus' point in the Great Commission. After Jesus was resurrected from the dead and just before he ascended to the Father, uh, the right hand of the Father, Jesus said this in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus gave us a mission. Um, That mission is to make disciples. And a big part of making disciples is to teach people to observe all of Jesus' commandments. Um, That word for observe has the idea of keeping or obeying, but we must do that in a way that shows you have placed a proper value on Jesus' teachings and commands, so much so that you, you want to guard them, you want to preserve them, you want to keep them, you value them. So, The the spirit of that is conveyed in what Jesus says in John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So obeying Jesus is not optional. Uh, You are expected to obey Jesus because he is God's anointed Messiah who has been given all authority to be your master or Lord in your life. And so we teach and urge the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, and when that happens, you should expect good things to take place. Namely, your life, this is a second primary point today, your life will be transformed by the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. Uh, Verse 3 says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. So we'll stop there for now. Um, Verses 4 and 5 will describe the seriously dysfunctional life of a false teacher who believes a false gospel. Uh, We'll get there in a minute. But first, I I want you to notice that the words of the Lord Jesus Christ are sound. They, They are healthy words. They are good words that will nourish your soul. And they will, in fact, transform your life. I say that because Paul points out that the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. If it accords with godliness, it is in agreement with or for the purpose of or the goal of godliness. Godliness is really a way of life that is devoted to God. It it speaks of the genuine desire of your heart to follow and obey Jesus because you love him and because you want to honor him above all else. It's it's one's character that has a genuine Godward devotion. This is what the sound words and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ 
produces in the heart and life of someone who believes the gospel. Now, at the center, at the center of those sound words, sound, the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, at, at the very center of them is the very gospel itself. Um, what produces godliness in a life uh, is a life saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the shed blood of Jesus that atones for our sin and sets us free from the dominion of sin and death. It, it's through what Jesus has done for us that we are restored to a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, and we're given the Holy Spirit that empowers us to obey Jesus. It's through the gospel that our lives are transformed. Paul says this very thing in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, and I quote, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So notice that it is the grace that has appeared, which speaks of Jesus, it is that grace that has appeared that, that brings salvation, and that salvation that Jesus gives trains us or teaches us, empowers us to change, to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's this gospel of Jesus Christ that purifies sinners and changes them so that they are zealous for good works. I, I want you to know that a false gospel will never transform your life. A, a false gospel will focus on man-made rules, uh, such as forbidding marriage or certain foods, as the beginning of chapter 4 teaches us. But these Man-made rules can never change the heart and transform the life. It is only Jesus and the work that he has done in his death and resurrection that can save and transform your life. Our, our good works will never save us. It, it's only through Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for us that we are saved. We're, we're justified by faith, not works. Faith, faith is trusting in Jesus alone, not ourselves. We're, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, all for God's glory alone. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. We, we are saved by Jesus. When, when we are saved by Jesus... We will begin by the very grace he provides to change and grow. Like a branch attached to a vine, we will be 
fruitful when we are attached to Jesus, when we abide in Jesus. Paul was so confident that it's the gospel of God's grace that changes people that listen to what he says in his final farewell to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Like, he's not going to see him again. He loved them. He invested a lot of time in their lives. But this is his parting message. He says this in Acts 20, 32. And now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It, it is the word of God's free and unmerited favor given in the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms sinners. It was Tim Keller that said religion operates on the principle of I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. And we all know the problem. None of us can obey perfectly. Tim Keller's quote goes on, the basic operating principle of the gospel is I'm accepted by God through the work of Jesus Christ, therefore I obey. You, you can understand why Paul said, teach and urge these things. Your life will be transformed by the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. In fact, our final point this morning is this. Anyone rejecting the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ is really in grave peril. There, there are real consequences if you reject Jesus. Ultimately, the consequence is hell, separated from God. But in this lifetime, rejecting Jesus and his gospel will show up in a life that is hard, a life that's bitter, a life that's filled with terrible dysfunction. Now, I'm not saying that with Jesus you don't have problems because that's not true. I'm, I'm saying that without Jesus, those problems make the heart terribly bitter. Verses 4 and 5 say, speak of that one that's abandoned, rejected the words, the sound words of Jesus. Verse 4 and 5 say, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and, de in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of, of gain. There are a number of important things here that we learn about the person that rejects the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, it, it is really quite arrogant to think that you know better than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 4 says, the person who does not agree with our Lord Jesus Christ and his sound words is really puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. I mean, notice the irony there. The person who arrogantly thinks he has a teaching that is better and wiser than the words and teaching of Jesus actually understands nothing. 
as our January armor verse taught us, Proverbs 1-7, for the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. When you have a proper fear and reverence for the Lord, in, in your humility you esteem the supreme worth of God, and it's then that your heart is made ready to receive the sound words and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you think that you know better than Jesus, it really demonstrates that you do, in fact, not know Jesus. Or worse yet, you reject Jesus. If you know Jesus, you glory in what Hebrews 1 Verse 3 teaches us, he is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus alone perfectly reflects the character of the heavenly father. Perfectly. No one else like him. Jesus alone is perfect in every way. Jesus alone has the power to keep the sun, moon, and stars in place. Je Jesus alone knows the thoughts and intentions of every human being on the face of the earth, including the hearts of all of the world's most powerful kings. Je Jesus alone can humble and bring down those proud kings. And Jesus alone ultimately puts kings in positions of power. Jesus knows all things and is perfect in wisdom. And it's this Jesus who turned the world upside down by becoming the greatest servant, by giving up his life and dying on a cruel Roman cross to atone for the sins of all that he came to save. Jesus is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is our sanctification. To think your ideas about how life should really be is better than Christ's word is, in fact, blatantly arrogant and, in fact, ignorant. And secondly, when you reject Jesus' sound words, you really have a sick craving for controversy and quarrels. So rather than loving the sound and healthy words of Jesus that produces godliness, the one who arrogantly rejects the word of Jesus really has an unhealthy craving for causing problems. To reject Jesus... And his sound words is to reject the way of life that's filled with peace and joy. Rejecting Jesus' sound words, in fact, produces all sorts of dysfunction in relationships. In this text, we learn it produces envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18 rightly teaches pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before 
a great fall. The, the gospel gives us a new heart with new desires and new, new abilities. In fact, it's the gospel that produces all sorts of beautiful fruit in our life, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's beautiful fruit that the gospel, the spirit produces in our lives. But if you arrogantly reject the gospel, it's really like pouring gasoline on the sinful flesh, and it results in all manner of evil, rather than being happy for others when they experience God's favor. Um, you become jealous and envious and focused on grabbing what they have. Rather than submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, you fight and quarrel and demand your own way. Rather than speaking words of grace, undeserved favor, to build others up in Christ, you kill and destroy with your words when you tear them down with your words. Rather than thinking the best of others, you think the worst of others. Rather than being patient and kind and enduring, even with difficult people, you stir things up and make matters worse. Rather than humbly submitting to the truth taught by our Lord Jesus Christ, you embrace all manner of evil, thinking good is evil and evil is good. There There is a lot at stake in your response to the sound words and teachings of Jesus. Life and peace or death and destruction. Again, it's not enough to just hear the words of Jesus. You must hear and obey. Um, Jesus himself gave us a perfect picture of these two different ways to live. Uh, listen to the words of Jesus found in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. And I quote, everyone then who hears these words of mine, this comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is just rich. It's full of the, the teaching of Jesus. This is what this, the kind of life the Spirit wants to produce for those who live under the sweet authority of Jesus. And so at the end of that long sermon, this is what Jesus said to, to conclude that long sermon there on the mount, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice and does, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the Rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. 
Jesus gives a, a wonderful picture of two, two different ways of, of life. One who hears the words of Jesus and does them. He's the one who's built his house upon a rock that weathers the storms of life. But the one who hears the words of Jesus and doesn't do them is the one who will be uh, destroyed when the problems of life come. This morning, I want to urge you to hear and obey the sound words and teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, don't buy the lies that false teachers teach. Um, re- reject that sick gospel. Embrace the sound and healthy words of Jesus. Now, in many ways, I know that I'm speaking to the choir this morning, so to speak. But even us, all of us, hear competing voices all of the time, and we have to make a decision whose voice is going to be most influential in our life. Whose voice influences how you think about what's really wrong in the world today? Whose voice is most influential in how you understand and think about how to be restored to a right relationship with God? Whose voice influences you on how you think about what to do with the guilt of sin? Is guilt a good thing, a bad thing? What do you do with guilt? Whose voice influences how you respond to guilt? Whose voice influences how you think about what your purpose is here in this life? Whose voice influences what you think about where to turn when you face problems? Whose voice influences you how to handle your anxiety and fear? Whose voice influences you how you think through and process your post-traumatic stress syndrome or your anger, your guilt, your sin, your depression, your sexual temptation, whose voice influences how you think about suffering, whose voice influences how your identity is formed, or what to think about marriage, or what to think about gender roles, whose voice influences how you respond to and handle broken relationships. Whose voice influences your attitude towards other people? There's a lot of ways that each of us, every day of the week, hear all kinds of competing voices, just kind of like Eve in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden. God spoke clearly, but the evil one came and also spoke And when Eve listened to the wrong voice, um, there was great damage that was done. I, I hope that you are convinced that help and hope come from from God by grace alone, 
through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, and all of this is for God's glory alone. I, I want to say to you this morning, listen and obey the voice of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for speaking. You speak through creation. You reveal yourself to everyone that you are God and you're worthy of worship. You have spoken by your prophets. You have spoken through your word, the Bible. You have spoken most powerfully through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, there, there is help, there is hope, there is the promise of life because you have spoken. And I pray that you, by your spirit, would enable all of us, uh, young and old alike, would you, by your spirit, ena enable all of us to hear your voice clearly and to respond in faith and obedience to treasure the sound words of Jesus and his teaching that produces godliness in our lives. I pray that you would give us discernment, train us by your spirit, use your word, use the relationships that you've blessed us with so that we can be a people who learn to listen to your voice, to just block out the, the many other voices that compete with your voice. Help us to listen and to listen well to you. Help us to listen and obey Jesus even this day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.